my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Zach Holback. How are you, Zach? I'm doing good. Can't complain. Yeah. Love it. It's so good to see you. It's uh, I'm really excited to to catch up with you. Um, so Zach, uh, right now is is serving um as a conference producer for uh, a company called Informatech, and we're gonna get into what all that means. Um, he's doing some really cool stuff, and I think it's uh some stuff that that folks are gonna be uh really really excited to 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 hear about. Um, he's part of the the game developers conference team in creating um, creating conferences um, through Informatech, and so uh, some some really cool stuff. Um, but we got to go back in time a bit, uh, Zach, before we get there. Um, you are a 2017 graduate of our program, correct? Correct. Yeah. Did I get that right from memory? I usually I usually verify that before we go on, but I thought I had that. Uh, I thought I had that right. Um, so 2017 graduate. Um, tell us uh, where you're from, Zach. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in San Jose, South San Jose specifically. Uh, actually, kind of down the street from where my dad grew up. So went to the same high school as him and everything. Nice. Right on. And uh, what what did your folks do? Uh, up. My dad was a police officer, actually, my whole life. Uh, recently retired, though, so congrats to him. Of course. Uh, my mom worked as a program manager, product manager for uh, Cisco Systems. Okay. Um, Cisco Systems as in, like, the tech company or as in, like, the uh, food services company? The tech company. So, the like, routers, company, right? data, yeah, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, are there two Cisco's, I think? Uh, like yeah, there uh, are. They're spelled slightly different, but that's it, right. it gets confusing. There you go. I should have realized in um, in uh, the, the heart of Silicon Valley that you weren't talking about the food services, uh, the food <laughs> services, Cisco. You're talking the tech one. Um, and, and, you know... Uh, Obviously, I know about one of your siblings, um, but uh, did you did you have any? Uh, how many brothers and sisters? Just just the one brother, and okay. yeah, as you alluded to, uh, he was one of your students as well. Uh, so he he graduated, or he was in the program uh, about three years before me. But he was a RPTA alum and everything as well. Yeah. So shout out to Michael and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think probably coming on this podcast, this is like little brother, like one upping big brother here. Right. Um, so, <laughs> but, uh, but shout out to Michael. Michael was, um, was quite the baseball star, right. And spent some, spent some time in the, in the minor leagues. Uh, if yeah. I remember correctly, he was getting pretty close to, to, um, throwing it a hundred miles an hour there, uh, uh, at one point. Right. Yeah, he he did uh, really well. Yeah, he was drafted out of Cal Poly to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, did a stint in the minor leagues, and then it's a long journey, and eventually it kind of uh, fell through. But he he got some great experience and got to run with that whole thing. So that's pretty cool to see. And I actually flew out to spring training one year and got to see him over in Florida. That was a cool experience. I was gonna say, I bet that was super cool to live vicariously through your through your big brother there and um i'm sure you're super proud of him so shout out to to michael uh for sure um so uh, you know i imagine growing up in the bay area um 
with uh with a, a an older brother who was a sports star i imagine you were pretty into sports but i don't want to put that on you um <laughs> you tell me what were you into uh a, as a kid no oh, yeah i mean like you said sports was huge uh but i was definitely one of those kids just always outside playing with friends like outside until it's dark and then you know you got to come in for dinner uh-huh. um but yeah sports was huge i played a lot of baseball growing up and then i actually took on um Kind of went a different route. I started running track and uh, playing water polo, and oh. those kind of became my sports. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. You're one of those uh, long, lean uh, machines in the uh, in this in the pool, huh? Yes, I, I, I could see that. What was your What was your position in water polo? Were you a, a offensive or defensive? I was mainly defense, uh, whole D, but then I would also play point on offense. So I kind of ran the offense, and uh, okay. yeah. But, yeah, I guess that's how it goes, huh? When you're, uh, yeah, okay. I hadn't even, I hadn't really, I'm, I don't have much experience with water polo other than watching it. But now that you say that, I can see if you're, if you're point, point D, that means you're, you're, you're running the show when you're on offense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, sorry for my ignorance there when I said, were you more <laughs> water polo? You have to do both, right? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, so growing up in in San Jose, you know, um, I imagine, I imagine during your time, you, you saw just this huge boom, right? I mean, wasn't it, or, or had it already boomed by the time you were uh, growing up? I, you you said you were outside a lot, so I, you know, when I picture San Jose, I picture like you know this big booming metropolitan area, right? But I, I imagine it it, it kind of changed a little bit as you were growing up. Is that right? Oh, totally. It, I mean, it was definitely big by the time I was growing up. But I remember like uh, all the new parks getting rebuilt and all that. Like I used to be playing on the. I remember specifically there was a park nearby where it was like complete wood structure, super hazardous and everything. And then they finally redid it. And it was like this like aha moment like, oh, this is actually what a park should look like. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, that's wild. Well, uh, so so talk to us a little bit, um, uh, Zach, about your journey to, to Cal Poly. Now, obviously, you had a big brother who who uh, preceded you. Um, is is that how you knew about RPTA or? Um, and, yeah, so um, it kind of it goes back even far farther is uh, I'm not sure if you know, but my dad is a Cal Poly alumni as well. So I, I kind of felt like he might be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I'm third generation. So I, mm. I grew up kind of visiting slow, uh, walking around the campus, all that fun stuff. And then yeah. um, I, you can't go wrong with slow. And the first time I came here, I was just in love and I knew this is where I wanted to be. And then, seeing my brother go through the school, go through the program. I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And especially uh, throughout high school, I got really involved in leadership. And uh, I think it was like my junior year of high school, I became our rally commissioner. So I was actually running all of our rallies and seeing them. So that's really kind of my first stint with event planning. Oh, and then I, I saw my brother go into the major and I was like, I can major in this. Like, heck yeah, yeah. Like, let's do this. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, that aha moment of that is, is, is really pretty cool for, uh, I think a lot of, um, a lot of our, our students and, and our alums. I, I just, I love hearing about it. And, um, and, you know, you, you touched on just now, uh, one of the things that, 
we never really put two and two together until this podcast to realize that leadership and ASB in high school is where a lot of kids um, kind of get that, um, you, you know, they get that itch, they get, they realize, oh, I really love this event planning, or I really love this, like, um, you know, um, organizing pep rallies, like you said, or, or, or whatever it may be. And, you know, I remember back, in my day, um, in high school, um, now I know you're probably picturing, um, covered wagons and, and whatnot, but, but we actually, we actually had cars, <laughs> no, but, but we, we had, um, um, uh, my, my school, we did some really, really cool things. Like we had, um, per, we had to design parade, we had designed parades and floats and each class put on a, a play every year. Um, did did y'all do stuff like that too? Oh yeah, we did a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, okay. organizing like the different like years. Yeah, everybody would have a different kind of theme or whatever it might be. Parades, floats. Yeah, yeah, we did yeah, it all. And, and and those are just like such memorable. Um, those are just such memorable things, you know? And so when you get to do that and you get to plan something, sometimes I think people are like, oh no, I, I do not want to do this. And that was kind of me, <laughs> but, uh, so I, I'm not real big into special events. Um, but, um, in, in terms of, of being a, you know, special event planning part, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love going to special events. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, I I I obviously gravitated more toward the sport side, and and you I know, I know you did as well in in sport management, and and that was what you concentrated in once you got here, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, right. But we're gonna we're gonna talk more as as you go through your as you go through your um your career arc um into how you ended up in the in the special um in the special event world but i think it's really awesome and one of the things i was i was excited um to talk to you about is um is you know when i first got here zach one of the things that was really interesting was um no one was really making that connection between sport management and event planning you know, right. I remember like um, I remember Dr. Hendricks, uh, we we took a group of students down to what used to be called the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. Who knows what it's called now um, with the uh, <laughs> with the uh, uh, the everything up in arm up, up, up in the air with uh, with Bitcoin and that sort of thing. I, I, I guess it's still crypto dot com. I'm I not think sure. So, yeah. Is it still officially named that? Um, but uh, we we went down the Staples Center and we had like 20, 20 of the students or 20 of the 30 students were special event planning um, uh, concentration. And the the aha moment on their faces when um, when the Clippers um, event coordinator was talking about how the night before she had uh, she had planned the Beyonce concert. And today she was going to be doing the Clippers game and they were just like, oh, my God, I never like I never even thought about like, you know, and so it's going to be I think it'll be cool to hear you talk about, um, you know, that interaction as we as we go through your career. Let's start first, uh, you know, with um, with your time here at Cal Poly, um, as you said, and as I hear a lot from a lot of our students, um, 
being here on the Central Coast, you know, you develop an affinity for it. And uh, you just told me that you've moved back and bought a house. And so that's super cool to hear. But um, tell me about a couple of um, a couple of things related to your time here at Cal Poly. One, give us just a, a memorable experience. Doesn't have to be anything related to the major or anything like that. Just a, a moment um, from your college years that really stands out. And then we'll we'll um, we'll get into more of the professional development side. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I mean, one of the major things, and I feel like anyone that's done this, they will talk about it till they're blue in the face. But studying abroad. Uh, so I, when I was here at Cal Poly, I got the opportunity to study abroad in Italy, and that's it was yeah. Talk about memorable experience. That was definitely eye opening and. Has kind of uh, given me the travel itch, and now like I feel like I've been to Europe almost once a year, and it, it's it was an amazing experience. Yeah, so tell us about it. Like, how did um a, a lot of our current students in particular want to hear these stories? Like, uh, um, what was the process? Like, what started the itch for you? Did you um did you have a, a friend that went, or and then and then what did you do in Italy? Like, what were you studying? Yeah, uh, it just kind of came from uh, my girlfriend, who is now my wife at the time. She yeah. she wanted to go, and so it kind of just started the whole conversation. I started looking into it, and I was like, "Why not? Like, let's let's do this." And uh, we so we actually got luckily got to study abroad together in a small town in Italy called Viterbo, and uh, amazing experience. And it's funny enough, like. I didn't specialize in studying in anything. It was a lot of just general education, uh, knocked out a bunch of my GEs. And, but at the same time, it was like one of those things where learning, I got to learn Italian. I got to really immerse myself into the culture. I got to figure out how to live life in a different way, essentially. And I felt like that all kind of lends itself to what I'm doing now, having to work with diverse groups, having to work with speakers that might not speak the same language and stuff like that. And just how do you navigate those scenarios? And it really just kind of gave me a lot of experience into like how life is in the real world. Right, right. You know, um, Zach, I, you know, until you said that, I had forgotten that that you that you did a study abroad and um but now that you now that you tell me about it, I do remember and and I this is not this is not just you, but um this is almost every student that I've ever had with study abroad. It's like they come back a different person, yeah. you know, and um and, and and in a really good way, right? Like it's like you wow, because it's like it's almost like you can see the glow, right? You can <laughs> see the change, right? And um and so I imagine also like being able to go uh, with your girlfriend and uh, to a place like Italy, like that. Wow, that's that had to be um, uh, that had to be uh, just amazing. <laughs> so, so it was it was a tough life to live. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tough life. All right. I love it. I love it. Well, um, so now let's uh, let's transition then into the professional development um, perspective, right? With learn by doing. So in addition to study abroad, I mean, you just have a laundry list of things that you that you did while you were here um, at, at Cal Poly from from Cal Poly Athletics to ASI Children's Center to Slow Blues. I mean, Zach, you were just checking all the boxes, man. I tell you, uh, tell us, uh, pick out one of those, if you will, 
as uh, as kind of like an enduring thing that you feel like really helped to launch you into your career? Yeah. Um, I mean, the one that really sticks out in my head, and I know you're heavily involved in the program, but I worked with the Junior Giants for uh, two seasons, I think it was. But yeah, uh, that program was just this amazing eye-opening experience into like professional sports and just kind of what the different kind of careers you can take and uh, what you can do with them. It was a really fun experience to be a part of that program and run an entire league and start creating my professional network as well. Yeah. Well, you know, Zach, I I purposely left that one out because I was like, I didn't want to seem like I was being self-serving. Like I was like pushing you towards saying that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I love it. And uh, uh, Zach was one of our, one of our amazing junior giants ambassadors. And um, we have such a, obviously such a rich history with, um, with the ambassador program with the giants. And I just feel, feel so lucky that, that um, to have, uh, uh, you know, helped to to build that in 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 some small way, and uh, it's just been uh, it's just been so great for so many of our students over the years, and um, uh, so it's it's great to hear you hear you say that, of course. So let's talk about um, let's talk about that uh, transition out of Cal Poly, right from um, from in, into the into the working world. Uh, uh, what what um, what was your official internship? So my internship was with uh, the Slow Blues. So I was one of those full-time marketing promotions interns. So manager of the marketing promotions for them. Right, right, right. And and we've got a rich history with the Slow Blues as well. Uh, Adam and his his team have just done an amazing job over the years. And for those who are not familiar, you know, Slow Blues is a um, summer collegiate baseball team here in, in San Luis Obispo that has just an amazing like rich history you know uh zach when i was on that when i was on the board there was a there was a gentleman um on the board who and i wish i could remember his name but i can't remember his name but he played for the blues back in um i think it was like the 40s or 50s like maybe maybe 50s yeah and um it was it was just amazing hearing him tell the tales of of uh of of how it first started you know and um and uh it it, it was just it's just really amazing i was sitting with him once and and um there was a there was a controversial play and and you know people were you know kind of mad and were kind of yelling at the at the umpire and he tells me the story about how that happened once back in his day and the aunt went into the stands and beat up a fan, <laughs> beat up a fan. And I was like, what? And he was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. They they wouldn't, they wouldn't take a whole lot of lip back in those days. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh man. So n- needless to say, there's no umps going in the stands now in San Luis Obispo Blues. But uh, but the slow blues are just an amazing, it's just like an amazing I, I call it like our own our own little learning lab, right? Uh yeah. for uh for professional sports because Adam does run it like a professional franchise and um and uh it's it's slow's version of that. So let's talk about uh, moving out of uh of San Luis Obispo and heading back home. It had to be um it had to be like a a lifelong dream. I don't know. Were you, were you a Sharks fan growing up? Like, uh, oh, yeah. what, what was uh, it like to get hired by the hometown team? Yeah, that was uh, so. I mean, yeah, going 
back to like what you just said growing up my dad always had season tickets to the sharks so that was like definitely our team we were always at the tank uh love the sharks and when i saw a position open towards the end of my internship with the blues i jumped on it and ended up getting it and funny enough i started i started with the sharks two days after we graduated so i had no summer yeah two days i was like wild right into it uh but that was, it was just it was surreal to get hired by the uh San Jose Sharks and start working for them and uh kind of just touching on what I did so I I was working specifically with the San Jose Sharks up at the Oakland Ice Center so I wasn't in the tank all the time but I was up in Oakland which is one of their auxiliary properties and they have yeah. two rooms up there yeah and so, um I became participant development manager for the Oakland Ice Center for the San Jose Sharks. Right. And and that that location, are they still using that location? That oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that, I, I, I'm, I, I have been aware of that location um, for a while. Now, is that where is that where they do um, a lot of like uh, the, the life skills for kids and camps and that sort of thing? And they also practice there or, or, or what's, what's tell us about, tell us about what you were doing. Yeah. So uh, the Oakland ice center. And so they also have a rink in San Jose, which does uh, a lot of the same stuff, but okay. essentially it's like, yeah, kind of the community base. Uh, it's got just open public skating year round, uh, but it also has like the youth hockey leagues, adult hockey leagues, uh, figure skating, curling, uh, corporate events and all that type of stuff. So it's kind of like uh, their facility to kind of foster new fans and get people into the sport because hockey isn't necessarily accessible here on the West Coast. So exactly, yeah. So that's their that's their way of of kind of growing the game, if you will, right? And so yeah. and so, what were you doing? Were you like overseeing all of the all of the leagues? Like what what was your day to day like there? Uh, it's more the question, what wasn't I doing? Uh, <laughs> Did you drive to Zamboni? I So, yes, I, I yes. know how to drive to Zamboni. I got nice. to learn that. I, um, but so, I guess I'll, I'll step back before we get into all the fun stuff I did. But um, my, my day-to-day was really uh, kind of event planning, corporate events, marketing promotions, and then the PR management and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so I, I did a lot of like everything from our small events, like birthday parties and uh, running that program to large corporate, large corporate events with like 200 plus people mm. uh, running curling events and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, getting into the fun stuff, I became a curling instructor. I knew how to curl. <laughs> yeah. No way. Well, I was just thinking like when you said curling, I'm like, man. Is that going to be able to teach me curling someday? That would be I great. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the ice center. I, I totally, I That's can awesome. teach you. Uh, awesome. I, I got to learn how to drive a Zamboni. Uh, that was out of kind of necessity just because being a manager, you have to step in, fill roles when needed. So right. uh, I helped our ops manager. Um, if he's listening, Glenn, thanks for teaching me. It was an awesome time. Nice. Shout out, Glenn. Love it. Well, that's just awesome, uh, and uh, that just brings a smile to my face thinking about you uh, driving the Zamboni there. You know, so uh, maybe one day, right? Maybe one day uh, when you when you retire, you can uh, become the Zamboni driver at the uh, for the at the Shark Tank. <laughs> right. 
I, I have this uh, far off dream where like one day the Zamboni driver is going to be hurt or something. And they're going to ask the fans. I'll be like, come, I volunteer. I got it. I got it. I'm here. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, Zach, let's, uh, let's, let's get into to now your, your time with inform attack. You know, I, um, I know you're going to, you're going to share with us um, here what, what that experience has been like. And, you know, I I shared with you that that I had I had seen that that you that you left the Sharks in 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 late December of 2019, and um, you know started in with an event planning position, um, and you know I it was one of those things where like a like a lot of um, like a lot of our alumni, you know, I I live vicariously through through you all and. Um, and you know when I see something like oh just start an event planning position right before a global pandemic hits you know I was I was worried for you and um, like I was worried for a lot of our our alum um, during that period so talk us through um, what it was like to to leave the sharks what what um, what took you to Inform Attack and then and then what that was like in the pandemic yeah definitely. Um... I guess I'll just start with like leaving the sharks and why I did and uh wasn't an easy decision like most uh you think you want one thing in life and might not turn out the way you wanted. Mm-hmm. And so in the end uh towards my end of my career with the sharks I've feeling a bit burnt out looking for new opportunities um and just looking for something that kind of more aligned with the way I wanted to live life. I was working a lot of weekends and holidays so mm-hmm. selfishly wanted to kind of just more nine to five, uh, a little, little more work life balance kind of thing. Um, and so from there, uh, I just started looking, uh, kind of lent leaned on my network, uh, started kind of, I actually, funny enough was I started doing informational interviews. So interviews that meant nothing, just kind of meeting new people within different industries and, uh, started talking to somebody who's actually like the director of our operations team here in Forma. It started having some conversations with him. He sent me a job opening and by no means helped me with the position to get, but just said, Hey, take a look, see if you like it. I applied and ended up getting it. And there's been a great journey, but like you alluded to, I started in December of 2019. What an interesting time that was. Um, so I started uh, three months later, the pandemic hit and it was kind of just overdrive of what do we do? Where do we go? And uh, so our, I was part of the team, specifically the conference producer team. So we kind of run the whole conference and essentially in terms of uh, content, uh, speakers, logistics, a lot of that type of stuff. So uh, our team got together and had to really rethink how do we do this now? What do we do? Uh, go virtually? Do we just cancel it for a year? Who knows how long this is going to last? And so ultimately, we went virtual uh, using a lot of just platforms like we are now. We're on Zoom and just using Zoom, using uh, whatever we could. We were using like WebEx at one point and uh, just really rethinking what a conference would look like virtually. And how do you deliver that kind of same level of performance and uh, what your audience is looking for, but now virtually? And- right, right. And I imagine, you know, with um, game developers, right, I imagine uh, they're pretty tech savvy, right? So yes. I guess maybe the 
the pivot wasn't as um uh, wasn't you know wasn't as harsh as maybe if you were you know I, I don't want to I don't want to stereotype but but you know if you were trying to in in some other sphere where the people are not as tech savvy um but was is is that the the key for why they, why they were able to keep you on um uh, being so new um i don't know necessarily if it's that but uh i think our we it's not our company itself is very large so i think that kind of helped kind of insulate our conference and everything we have different sources of revenue uh so that i mean of course helps but yeah just uh just to scale the event to a virtual thing, it definitely helped uh, having a tech savvy audience that you're catering to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it had it leads to other challenges because they're so tech savvy and like they're expecting these. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their expectations are like, oh, you're just doing a Zoom. Like, uh, exactly. how come we're not? How, how come we're not doing this VR? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Or like, I want a, like a little avatar that I can play with and interact with. And so, yeah, it's like it definitely had its other challenges, but it definitely helped because they knew right. how to get online, they knew how to interact and do all that stuff virtually. Because a lot of them were working virtually already. Right. So talk about um, talk about it from a personal perspective. Um, I, I know that that y- you told me that you you headed to the mountains like a lot of like a lot of people, um, and uh, did in, in being able to to be a little, little bit more flexible and, and able to to work remotely. So what what mountains uh, what mountains were calling you? Did you where did you where did yeah. you head? Yeah, so uh, when the pandemic hit, I was currently living in Alameda, just off of Oakland, and the pandemic hit, and uh, me and my it was my fiance at the time, now wife, uh, we we're like, let's get out of here. Like, why are we paying rent? Uh, I don't like living here during the pandemic, stuck in an apartment. Yeah. And so my parents actually have a cabin up in uh, the Eastern Sierras, kind of south of Tahoe, uh, and so we were like, let's go there. And we, we thought we were getting away with something like, Oh, let's go there for two weeks. Two weeks turned into two years. And yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you, you had to host, you had to host your mom and dad whenever they wanted to come for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you were the Airbnb host for them. It was, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting, but it, it all worked out great. Uh, I think they awesome. kind of liked it because they could come up and spend good quality time with us Uh, we're big into skiing and snowboarding so i take lunch breaks don't tell my company but no (laughs) no that's a that's good work-life balance zach so uh, yeah we we we, uh we i love that i um wow what i so yeah you know with um so my worries were not i I didn't i shouldn't have worried you were you were getting fresh powder days and um (laughs) and also staying employed so that's great I want to dive into uh, a little bit of the, you know, we, we say post-pandemic. Um, and yeah. so coming out of the pandemic, um, I, I want you to, to dive in a little bit more into what this whole game developers conference thing is and and give us some perspective of, I, I know you, you just recently, you alluded to it a few minutes ago, but um, you you were recently in in Europe, I think you said. Uh, you know, we we exchanged emails, and you're like, "Sorry, I've I've been in was it Amsterdam or where?" Uh, London, London, yeah. okay, London. Um, so tell us a little bit more about this game developers conference. 
um, team and what you all are doing. And now that you've pivoted out of the pandemic, like what types of things are you putting on? Give us some, some perspective of the scope. No, totally. Um, so game developers conference, I'll, I'm going to call it GDC, which is what we call it for short. Yeah. Um, GDC is one of the largest, uh, game developers conferences out there. And so it, it basically brings together all video game developers, tabletop board game developers, and they come, they learn, there's a whole expo floor, there's everything. And so we typically on pre-pandemic levels would see about 25,000 attendees over a week's period. Whoa. What my team does specifically is we work with all the content. So that means all the speakers, all the sessions that are happening, uh, all the interactive spaces, community spaces that spaces that we curate and put onto the floor, and so we actually see about six, seven hundred speakers over the weeks period, and have about like five hundred sessions. Oh wow, that's yeah, a lot. So I was gonna say, I was like, so there's a full time team putting on this one conference annually. Yes, well, we and I'll get into some of the other stuff we're doing, but yeah, so. When it gets down to it, it takes an entire year to put this conference on, plan it, execute it, uh, just all all the nuts and bolts that go into it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like with what you just said, like 500 speakers and full expo and 25,000, like, yeah, you need a full-time team for that for one conference annually. And so it, it boggles my mind when I hear people say that they're putting on like multiple ones of these, like. Uh, every year, you know, but, um, but yeah, so, so talk, talk a little bit, if you will, give us some perspective on um, Informatech and how Informatech, what, what Informatech's role is, it, did they just eventually come up uh, or originally, not eventually, originally come up with the idea for GDC and that's how they are now or, or why they're the ones that manage it or is Informatech doing lots of these all over the world? Yeah, so uh, I kind of touched on it a little earlier. Is Informatech's a huge company, and so I think some twenty thousand employees across the world. Yeah. Um, and so, kind of what Informatech real also. I'll step back a bit too. Informatech is a pillar that I work under. Informa is like the parent company, mm. and so we have like Informatech. We have all Informa Markets. We have different uh-huh. kind of brands and properties. Gotcha. And so Informatech kind of specifically works along with uh, media and entertainment kind of uh, roles and in industries. So whether it be the game developers or um, we do like video tech innovation uh, awards and content innovation stuff. So like uh, kind of streaming services and the content that goes into those streaming services. But we do everything from we have like in an aviation week uh conference we have fashion type of conferences uh cybersecurity we do information systems um uh, literally everything so it's a big, okay. big company yeah. uh but it, just talking about it it's something that i never knew of and it's one of those companies that like it's a parent company you might know some of the brands some of the conferences but mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't know the actual like company itself that informatag yeah i got you that makes that makes a lot of sense so so tell us 
give us a little bit of your day to day, right? You know, you said that you're doing more than just the comp, than more than just the GDC. Um, yeah. But I imagine, you know, I I know this is a tough, this is a tough uh, question for for everyone in in the experience industry and in our field. Like, what's your day to day like? Well. That's why I love what I do. There's no, yeah. it's no day to day, right? It's uh, every day is different. But um, tell me this, you know, it's been three years now, and obviously, over these three years, they've been vastly different because yeah. it started with a global pandemic launching. Um, but but I do wonder, um, I do wonder whether or not, like, I have to experience this, right? When I'm in a faculty meeting. After 16, 15, 16 years, I'm like, oh, God, is this is this the faculty meeting where we talk about this again, where it's like where I feel like it's a groundhog day spinning, you know, like um, so. So tell me how how you are able to keep it from just being that cyclical, like, okay, this day we check this box. Like, how does all that work? Yeah. And like you said, uh, and kind of what I've talked about, too, it's. It's a large company. GDC has been around for 27 years now, actually. So it's oh, it's yeah. a long-standing conference. Um, so it started back in the Tetris days, huh? No, exactly. And so it's funny. GDC originally started with like a bunch of those original creators, Tetris, Pong, whatever, oh, uh, nice. those developers. And it started in a garage or something like that and yeah. just eventually grew and grew and grew to what we are now. I was wondering whether you were going to know what Tetris was, Zach. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, I know Tetris is still around, but, you know, that's such a generational thing when I talk about Tetris. And uh, <laughs> excuse me, my, my my buddies and I just uh, we had an Airbnb um, uh, a few weeks back and we had one of those um, one of those arcades. Right. Oh. That has like all of the older games. And we were super pumped because we thought it was going to have like Donkey Kong, Frogger, like that, that, right? And really, it was like all of the off brands. And the only one that any of us had ever even really heard of was uh, Tetris. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it was like it went, it went back before us almost, you know? Wow, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it was wild. Um, So sorry, sorry to interrupt. (laughs) Oh no problem. Um, Yeah, but so. Like day to day wise, we we definitely kind of have like I don't I don't want to say cookie cutter, but we definitely have kind of like these are the steps we need to take to get to here. Right. And so, uh, but that being said, every year is different, every cycle is different, and it's just like, uh, so we actually run a call for submission. So that's a big part of our job is that we take applications basically for speakers to come into our conference, and then. We review them with an advisory board, go through all that. And then once we kind of have our list of like four or 500 speakers talks that we're going to program, we kind of start working with the speakers to refine stuff, make sure they're ready to go, make sure they have all the logistics they need. Um, But a lot of to what I'm doing currently is uh, I'm in charge of our community and interactive spaces. So that's actually really fun where I get to kind of bring a, a design element and creative element to it and be like, oh. yeah, like let's have an audio lounge. Like let's throw some instruments out here and have the audio people just play with it and like have some recorders and they can make up. It might be the next like game soundtrack, just like on the conference floor that they're creating. 
So getting to kind of think through spaces like that and what they look like and how do you how do you welcome kind of interactivity and uh, bring people to that space and like really kind of collaborate together? Right. And so I, lo- I love that. So that that's the key, right? That's what keeps your that's what keeps you going is each and every year is different and the creativity with it and um, yeah. and and trying to, to to top the previous year and that sort of thing, build off that experience. I love that. So why don't you, if you, if you would share with us the coolest thing, you know, it's been three, three years now, what's the coolest thing you've seen at, uh, at one of these, uh, at one of these conferences? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, one, I think one is, uh, it's called alt control GDC. And so basically the whole premise of this is, uh, alternative controllers to video games. And so ah. we have a whole submission process where people submit their different ideas, different uh, things that they've created and you get some wild submissions. And so like, there's like one where it's, it's a whole video game, but you play it on a skateboard. Like you li- literally have to like do like an Ollie on a skateboard or like have to like move with the skateboard itself as your remote or uh, back in the day, I didn't get to see this one, but I heard of it was it's a coffin you lay in and that's your remote control and you're like kind of getting to play with it. And so, it's, yeah, and that was really cool to see, though. <laughs> that's a particular uh, niche market there. Uh, there. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, that is wild. So uh, I, I love it. I really appreciate you sharing. So, you know, this is one of the the questions that I, I, I like to, to ask, um, Zach, that if you if you could go back in time and you could give uh, junior or senior year, Zach, some advice, uh, what, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> um, it, it's always a hard question to answer, but yeah. I, I really think just stay staying open to different opportunities like. To me, I thought sports was life. I thought that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. But this fell in my lap and I've been running with it and I love it. And never would have thought I would have been in like big corporate events and the landscape I currently am. But it's all worked out for the best. And if I wasn't open to the opportunity and just like listening to people, I would have never done it. I would have still been grinding away in sports. (laughs) Right. You might not have gotten those snowboard days. Uh, that's exactly. Fresh tracks. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And yeah. another another piece of advice I'd love to give is just uh, just remember when you're interviewing with different companies, they're not only interviewing you, but you should be interviewing them. Mm-hmm. Make sure that it's the right fit. Make sure that it aligns with your goals and what you want. And if you want that career growth opportunity, make sure they have it. And that was a big thing. Like when I started going through the process of applying for different jobs, like that was a big piece that I was looking for. I wanted to make sure it's right fit for me as well as I'm a right fit for them. Love it. That is uh that is some golden advice there, uh, Zach. I really appreciate that. Well, um, you know, uh, I, I want to end by saying, I'm going to hold you to that, uh, Chalk Mountain, you got to play some golf with me uh, now that you're back in the area. I would love to do that. And, um, you know, just thank you so much for your time. I hope everybody will now um, reach out and look look up GDC and see see all the fun and and cool things that Zach and his team are are doing. And, uh, yeah, I just can't thank you enough. Appreciate it, Zach. 
No, I appreciate you uh, having me on here. It was great talking to you and I'll definitely hold you up to Chalk Mountain. We'll go hit hit the links. Definitely. Yeah, I hope you don't in, embarrass me by uh, hitting it a uh, 100 yards farther than me, but I'm pretty sure you will. <laughs> All right, man. Take care, Zach. All right. Thanks. See ya.